Uh, there's a lot of storylines that carry this idea that you have the power within you. If you'll just tap with inside yourself, you can find the power to overcome your obstacles. So, for example, The Wizard of Oz, I think that was a theme in The Wizard of Oz, uh, that uh, Dorothy, the Tin Woodsman, the Lion, the uh, other characters, if they just realized all along they had within themselves, then the wizard was not even capable of giving them the power anyway. He was kind of a fraud. And uh, so the moral to that story was, if you just look inside yourself, you can have the power to overcome the obstacles you face. Now, that may be true for some things within our lives, but there's one thing I think we would all agree on that we don't have the power to overcome ourselves, and that would be death. None of us overcomes the power of death. So that's why it's such a big deal uh, from the Scripture that Jesus' resurrection was a, a huge display of God's power. We saw that in the text that Sherry read, and I'm going to turn to it again Uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 19 to 21. Just keep your Bibles, if you have your Bible handy, uh, available. We're not going to be talking constantly from this text, but we're going to be referring back to it. So just looking at, starting with verse 19. And this is where the Apostle Paul is praying. He says, I pray that you may know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age but also in the the one to come. So this is a very awesome text about the power of Jesus' resurrection. But first of all, I want to know, uh, well, I'd like to know how to experience that. We'll talk about that. But first, we need to know, how do we even know Jesus did rise from the dead? So we'll talk about that right now. How do we know that Jesus was raised from the dead? Well, first of all, the fact that he really died. Uh, No one ever tried to contradict the fact that he actually died. The disciples knew for sure that he died. In fact, John the Apostle wrote that he witnessed uh, one of the guards who was by the cross Spearing Jesus, and out came blood and water, and that was a sign that he had actually died and suffered, suffered severe trauma. So not even Jesus' enemies tried to make up the story that he didn't really die, that somehow he just sort of swooned and maybe kind of staggered around, came back to life that way. In fact, uh, secular history records the fact that Jesus died. For example, the historian Tacitus, how many of you have been reading your history, history by Tacitus lately? Anyone? Anyone? Okay. Well, one of the things it says in there is he wrote about Christ who was put to death by Pontius Pilate. So Jesus' enemies, uh, the best they could come up with as well, they, they tried to say that the disciples stole the body while the guards were asleep. Yeah, right. Roman guards sleeping and the disciples stole the body and rolled the stone away. So the evidence is that Jesus rose from the dead because the apostles laid their lives in the line proclaiming this message everywhere they went. Every, everything that they said had to do with Jesus' resurrection. So, for example, when the 11 were, were looking for a replacement for Judas, the one who betrayed Jesus and who committed suicide, were talking about how did they find a replacement for Jesus, I mean for uh, Judas, they said this. They said that he had to be one who was with him during all the time that they were with Jesus. And then Acts one twenty two, we see that... The, 
Peter said, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from, the, from us, one of these men must become with us a witness to the resurrection. So that was the main requirement. They had to be a witness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, a witness to the Christ that had been resurrected. And the apostles just kept proclaiming that they were witnesses that God had raised Jesus from, from the dead. Uh, they recorded in the Gospels that Jesus repeatedly said he would be killed and then be raised from the dead. They spent 40 days with Jesus uh, after his resurrection. He had a real body that they could touch, though locked doors didn't stop him from getting in. And he ate with them and he taught them. So they weren't hallucinating. They were not seeing a ghost. They completely staked the truth of their witness to the fact that they were witnesses of the resurrected Christ. Peter, in Acts 2.32, declared before thousands of people, this Jesus God raised up, and of that we are witnesses. So again and again, the apostles kept claiming and proclaiming that they were witnesses. In Acts 3.15, if you're going to say this before people accuse them of killing somebody, and you're going to say that they raised him from the dead, you better be able to make good on that. So they said, uh, you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. So if anyone could have exposed their message of Christ's resurrection as a hoax, if anyone found the body, the Christian movement would have died instantly in the first century. You might think, well, maybe they were kind of gullible. Maybe they sort of just were prone to believe in the resurrection. Well, certainly not the Greek, Greeks and the Romans. The Greco-Roman culture was not prone to believe in the resurrection. In fact, they mocked Paul when he preached that at Athens. They, they just said, hey, that's ridiculous to preach the resurrection. So they didn't have any sense at all in believing in a resurrection. The Jews believed in a resurrection because the scriptures said there, there would be a resurrection of the just and the unjust, but they only believed that would happen at the end of the age when their enemies were defeated. And here they were still under Roman domination, and so they didn't have any readiness at all to believe that anybody would be raised from the dead at this time. So the apostles uh, kept proclaiming this, and because when people die, they don't rise again, we shouldn't think the resurrection is an easy thing if it ever did happen. That's why Paul writes in, in this passage from Ephesians of the immeasurable greatness of his power according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. It takes massive power to raise someone from the dead. Massive power. If you ever tried it, you'd know. Especially one who would bore the weight of the sin of the world. You know, no human power could ever do it. Not Victor Frankenstein. Apparently, the best we can come up with today is walking dead, zombies. We sort of want to believe in them. Well, if Jesus was zombie-like, that would have never gotten off the ground with the, the disciples. They wouldn't have been excited about proclaiming a zombie savior. <laughs> Paul would not have written as he did in Romans 1.4. And Jesus was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul was saying here that Jesus' resurrection was God's declaration, his designation that Jesus, who was truly a man, was also truly the Son of God. God confirmed that Jesus was the Christ, which was not his last name, but it was his title. His title, meaning the Messiah, meaning the appointed Savior King, the one that God had anointed to be the Savior King of all people. And that means that Jesus Christ is our Lord. And Lord means he rules over all people and all nations in power. We'll talk more about that in a minute. But 
now we want to know, that's just a little bit about how we know Jesus was raised from the dead. Now we want to know how do we get these benefits, the benefit. Is there a benefit to us from Jesus being raised from the dead? How do we get there from here? Well, Paul writes that the immeasurable greatness of his power is toward us who are religious, is toward us who are nice people, is to us who go to church. No, he says it is the immeasurable greatness of his power that he accomplished in the resurrection of Christ is to those of us who believe. So let's look at another text that talks about that. In Romans 10, 9 and 10, it gets really clear. What do we have to believe in order to receive the benefit of Christ's powerful resurrection? And Paul wrote in Romans 10, verses 9 to 10, If you confess with your mouth, that's that opening in your face, that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. All right, so we need to unpack this. What does it mean to confess Jesus is Lord? Great question. It means we believe that God, in the language from the Ephesians text, I told you to keep your Bibles open to that text, right? Said that God seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. So if you believe that, you're on to the fact that Jesus is Lord. What we're saying when we say we believe that Jesus is Lord is we're confessing, that is, we're agreeing that Jesus has been exalted by God to reign over everything. He's not merely a good man or religious teacher. He was not the founder of a new religion, merely. He was not just a prophet. He is Lord over all nations, over all peoples, and even over you. Every detail of your life. He has rightful ownership and the right to to declare how we are to live. That's what it means to to declare Jesus as Lord. So is that an easy thing to do? Well, you say, really? You mean like Jesus is world ruler? Yeah. Well, I have a problem with that. For one thing, I'm an American. And I vote for my rulers, and I never saw his name on any ballot. And second, if Jesus is Lord over all nations, and if he has all this power, then why is the world still such a mess? Why is it so screwed up? Why is there still sickness, suffering, and death? If he's got so much power, can't he get rid of that? If Jesus is Lord and has immeasurably great power, why does my car still break down? Well, that's a good question. Why is there pollution? Terrorism. Why is there Boston bombings? Why is there human trafficking? Why, is there, why are there killer mudslides? Tornadoes. Why is Kim Jong-un still in power? That's the North Korean dictator. He's not a great guy. Why is there still cancer? Poverty, gang killings, corrupt politicians, addictions, broken families, street children and orphans, weeds, capsizing ferries, disappearing jets. 
Well, the great news there is Jesus will judge all human evil and will eliminate every one of these things. It's coming. But he's got something he's got to do first, and that's for our good. He has to render us ready to be under his lordship. In fact, that's what it means to be saved. Our being prepared to live under Jesus' lordship is what it means to be saved. That's why Paul writes, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Saved from what? Well, the root cause of all the evil in the world, all human evil, all corruption in nature, and our worst enemy, which is death. The root cause of all these is that three-letter word that we all love, sin. So now we need to ask, what is sin? What is it? Sin is not trusting God's word, not trusting God's works, and not trusting in God's worth. It's not trusting in God's word, his works, or his worth. In other words, it's not trusting in what God says, not trusting in what God does, not trusting in who God is. It is rebellion against the lordship of Jesus Christ. It is indifference to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Sin broke mankind's relationship with God from our first parents on forward. Death is the ultimate symptom of our broken relationship with God. Sin is seeking to be independent of God. It's believing and striving to make life work apart from God. Or trying to make life work on our terms as if we get to dictate to God how life should work. But since God created us to live in loving dependence upon him and in relationship with him, we are hardwired for God. There's no getting away from God. We are going to have a God no matter what we do. False ones we adopt all the time. So whether it's ourselves or other people or our work or our money... Hobbies, sexual fulfillment, education, popularity, drugs, alcohol, science, sports, my morality, my goodness, technology or religious devotion, anything can become God in our lives. Even good things can become God things. But nothing is qualified to be God except God. So being saved from sin requires confessing Jesus as Lord because he alone is God's appointed Savior King. He alone is the Christ. Being saved from sin requires believing in our hearts God raised him from the dead because Jesus alone died for the sins of the world and then he alone got the victory over sin and death in his resurrection. If you don't believe God raised Jesus from the dead, you don't believe in Jesus. You can't. Because there is no other Jesus. There's no other version of Jesus except the one that's been raised from the dead. So it doesn't do any good to say, well, I believe in Jesus. He was just a good guy, kind of a, like a Portland hipster type guy, and he just went around doing good things. He did go around doing good things, but he is the resurrected Christ. And so you have to believe he is that, because that's who he has declared himself to be, and the witnesses of the apostles. There is no other version of Jesus except the one God raised. So here's an example of how not to trust in the saving resurrection of power. 
power of Jesus Christ alone to save you. So if you want to know how not, what not to say or what to think, it's something like this. This comes from New York, former New York Mayor Michael Bloomberg. In reference to his work on gun safety, overcoming obesity, and smoking cessation, he said this. I'm telling you if there is a God, when I get to heaven, I'm not stopping to be interviewed. I'm heading straight in. I've earned my place in heaven. It's not even close. All right, so that's, that's not going to work. Sorry. To receive the saving benefits of the power of Jesus' resurrection, we must believe that God raised him from the dead because the resurrection was God's ultimate validation, ultimate stamp of authenticity, that Jesus is Lord, the Christ, the Savior King. And because believing that God raised Jesus from the dead... We are saying we trust God's word that we are helpless and hopeless. Helpless and hopeless to save ourselves apart from Jesus, death and resurrection. And we can't overcome sin and death by anything we do and that we are relying on Jesus saving death and resurrection power alone to save us. Then God can destroy evil without destroying us. So you want evil to be destroyed? You need to be Jesus-proofed before God does that. So it's a good thing he's holding back on that. Well, the last thing I want to mention is the benefits. So we'll just go over a few benefits of the resurrection of Christ for us that we receive by faith in him. Uh, So one of those is, and, and by the way, if you don't believe in the resurrection, you should want to because the benefits are so great, right? So let's look at a few. One is Christ's resurrection guarantees that we may be counted righteous before God by faith. Romans 4, 24, 25. Righteousness will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our transgressions and raised for our justification. Because Jesus was raised, his powerful, righteous life guarantees that we who trust in him always have his righteousness covering our unrighteousness. That's only valuable if you know that you're unrighteous. So if you don't know that, then that doesn't mean anything to you, so it's a good thing to get. We are always right with God by faith because Jesus was raised for our justification. It's a righteousness purchased, provided, and powered by Jesus. It is a powerful righteousness that we cannot sin away. Once we have received that gift, it's ours. Then the next, another benefit is that Christ's resurrection causes us to be born again to a living hope. 1 Peter 1.3 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Christ from the dead. We have Jesus' resurrection power DNA injected into us. All right, for you comic book people, it's kind of like Spider-Man. You know, he got bit by the spider, and DNA got altered, at least according to one version, and he became a super powerful spider-type guy. Well, this is better than that. We are genetically modified. In other words, we are JMO. Jesus, yeah. Jesus-modified organisms. Take that home with you today. Jesus-modified organisms. We have the powerful resurrection life of Jesus birthed into us 
so that we are born again to a sure eternal hope that will never decay, never deform, never deplete, never degrade, never disintegrate, or die. That is a great hope. And that only comes by the resurrection of Christ infused into us. I got more. The resurrection of Jesus Christ gives us power for a new kind of life. Romans 6, 4. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism or immersion into his death. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Though we won't live in perfection until our physical resurrection, our connection to Jesus' resurrection has caused a disruption to our corruption for our sanctification. What? (laughs) Though we won't live in perfection until our physical resurrection... Our connection to Jesus' resurrection has caused a disruption to our corruption for our sanctification. In other words, we're becoming more like Jesus by the work of his resurrection. We're united with him in his death, and we're united with him in his resurrection. And in this life, it doesn't mean perfection, but it does mean we have a resurrected kind of life that set us free to say no to sin and yes to God. You can do that. As you sit there in your seat today and when you go home and when you're driving in your car tomorrow and at work and at school, you can say no to sin and yes to God because of Jesus' resurrection. A couple more benefits. By Christ, because Christ is resurrected, he continually intercedes for us, keeps us saved. Romans 8, 34. Who is the one who can condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. you got Jesus interceding for you. That helps a lot of things. It helps. Um, Jesus in his resurrection power keeps praying for us so that we will never be condemned by God, no matter how badly we fail, or no matter how people try to condemn us, or Satan tries to condemn us. Another verse gives us a similar promise. Romans 5.10. Jesus keeps us saved because if while we were enemies, once we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. So the life of Jesus we are plugged into, we cannot be unsaved once we have trusted Jesus because we are connected to his powerful resurrection life. And then... Jesus' resurrection guarantees that we will be resurrected in bodies like Jesus. This benefit, you got to want. You really got, you so must want this benefit. It's the final phase of what it means to be saved in terms of us. A couple verses in Romans chapter 6, verse 5. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. In Romans 8, 11, if the Spirit of Jesus, Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Aren't you glad we, we get to live in bodies forever? I mean, I think that's awesome. As opposed to being kind of a floating spirit in the cloud, we get to live in bodies. Now, that may not sound good, because of the current state of our bodies, but we get new ones. In fact, that's what's really cool about this passage. These passages teach that it's not that God's going to just give us some random configured new body. He's going to resurrect our old ones. 
our old bodies made new, which is an amazing thought. It's still going to be us. So all the, the best of us, redeemed by Christ, including our bodies, which, which we need to know, uh, our same bodies made gloriously indestructibly new, sin-proof, sickness-proof, no more acne, no more asthma, no more aging, no more Alzheimer's, no more strokes, no more heart attacks, no more cancer, no more Crohn's, none of the above. Can you fathom the power required to recompose or decompose bodies? I mean, I don't want to get morbid and gross here, but um, how is God going to figure out where my molecules are and, and put them all together? He's going to do it. That's what's so amazing. It's going to be a recomposed Gary Smith one day. It's going to be awesome. And you will be too. We'll just walk around for the first several millennia saying, man, you look awesome. You look great. Now, Jesus, Jesus will get the most of that, but, you know, we'll have some of that. Why is Christ's resurrection such great news? Because death is such bad news, isn't it? I mean, death is bad. It stinks. It's wrong. I hate death. It's normal news in that everyone dies. We all have experienced or will experience the death of loved ones. But death still shocks us. Even when the one we lose has trusted Christ and been saved, we still grieve because God designed us for eternal love relationships. He designed us to eternally love one another and eternally love him forever and ever. And death doesn't change that. That's why we grieve. That's why we hate death. And as Christians, we should hate it all the more. We should be, it's not wrong to be sad as a Christian at the death of loved ones. It's just we don't grieve as those who don't have hope. Christ's resurrection defeats death for us. Since Christ has conquered sin, that's the root cause of death, Paul said the last enemy to be destroyed is death. Can you imagine? No more separation from those we know and love. No more separation ever again. And finally, by the same power Christ resurrects believers, he will also resurrect creation. Romans 8.21, and a long passage about our resurrection. The creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. You know, I don't know about global warming, how much is being caused by greenhouse gases and carbon emissions. We should do what we can to be good stewards of the environment and the earth in its present state. But what really gets me excited is global transforming. I mean, it's going to, again, we're not going to be spirits floating in cloud. We're going to live in new, sin-proof, sickness-proof, death-proof bodies in a new heavens and new earth, all powered by Jesus' resurrection. Confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead. This is awesome love that we who didn't deserve any of this get such tremendous, tremendous life blessings from the resurrection of Christ. So that's why my prayer for us is this. I pray that you and I may know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead 
and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. He is so far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Oh, Lord Jesus, we praise you. We thank you, Father, for giving us your son, Jesus. We thank you for giving us such sure testimony that he indeed is your son of God in power, raised from the dead, far above all authority and rule, seated at your right hand. We have so much going for us, no matter what we're facing in this life, no matter how unsavable we may be, which we are, you have guaranteed, if we will confess with our mouths, Jesus is Lord, and believe in our hearts, you raise him from the dead, we will be saved. Oh God, help us to know that power and to, to live in the light of that power. In Jesus' name.